You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 20. In last week's episode, you learned how to turn your side hustle into a thriving business with micro-influencer and YouTuber Ellen Yin. Jasmine Star shines her light on this week's episode, sharing with us how to resist conformity, follow our fear, and leaves us with actionable steps to rework our social media strategy. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hi, Influencers, and welcome to this week's episode. Today's episode is with someone who may not need an introduction at all, the ever fabulous and amazing Jasmine Starr. Jasmine is such a very important and integral part of the world of social media and influencer marketing. She has helped and inspired me as well as thousands of others grow a brand and business online. Jasmine is a branding and social media expert who dropped out of law school, picked up a camera, and pursued her dreams later being named one of the top photographers in the world. Then, as if that wasn't enough, she went on to build a worldwide brand from scratch and leverage social media marketing to build a six-figure business in her first year alone. Jasmine has amassed hundreds of thousands of followers through her online educational efforts and empowers entrepreneurs to build a brand and market it on social media every single day. What Jasmine may not know is that she and I actually talk every day. And by every day, I mean that I talk to or about Jasmine to myself or to someone every day. Because when it comes to Jasmine and what she brings to the table, it truly is transformative. And I cannot help but to share it with the world and with everyone that I know who is trying to grow an online brand or business. Her skill set, experience, light, and overall passion to serve others through her platform is infectious. Her ability to resist social media conformity, attract and repel the right audience, and empower entrepreneurs through education are all topics that we are going to cover today. So I cannot wait to get started. Hi, Jasmine, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for that intro. Jeez, I don't know if my head's going to fit through the door, Julie. This is amazing. I feel very welcome. Thank you. You are so, so welcome. And I cannot wait to just dive into this. I know that um, a lot of listeners today are just going to absorb this and and learn so much so we can just dive right in. I know that you started in law school. You decided to drop out. Um, you became one of the most sought after photographers in the country and a mega entrepreneur educating others. And I can't wait for you to share with us how all this unfolded and specifically how that moment when you got the news of your mom's diagnosis with brain cancer kind of set forth this ripple effect and um, really how you live and show up in your life today. Well, you know, there's like these transformative experiences that you can look back and when you're going through them, you don't understand like the gravity of them, but you can look back later and think that was when my life changed. And that was one of those moments. And my mom had, she'd been struggling with brain cancer for about eight years. And th- this was the doctor's final straw. And they just said, you know, it's time to make funeral arrangements. And I was in law school and I was miserable. I just decided to leave and I was on full scholarship and I said, I'm going to come back. Don't worry. And I moved back to, I mean, I didn't have a place to live. I was no longer a student. I had no money. I moved back home and my mom was 50 years old and I was 25 and I felt like I had this midlife crisis. I was just like, what if I die when I'm 50? And then I realized the subsequent question was, you fool, you, you don't even know if you have 25 years, less 25 minutes. I mean, life changes so quickly. And I realized in that moment that life uh, can twist and turn in ways that we don't expect. And in order for me to follow the safe or things that I thought I wanted just simply because of, well, this is what I should be doing instead of really following my heart and my passion, I realized that life is really short as a result. And looking at my mom's life and her fight and her grit really empowered me to go on the less traveled path. And that was to say, here's a predictable path. I know what I'm going to be in three years. I know I'm going to have a corner office and it's the car that I'm going to drive. And hey, why don't I just try starting a business? No, I don't even own a camera, but hey, why not? Let's try that. And I think that years later, not only is the story good from like an entrepreneurial perspective, 
but I'm really happy to say that my mom is still here with me and she's one of my uh, go-to counterparts when I need advice. So life has a beautiful way of working itself out. Mm, Yeah. You can really find the gift in some of those darkest moments, really, if if you choose to look at it that way of this new opportunity. Um, And with that said, let's, let's talk about gratitude. Um, Because I'm sure from all of that, if you weren't already, you did after that really kind of practice gratitude in your life. And how has practicing gratitude changed your business? And what tips could you offer to someone listening today on how they could start weaving gratitude into their work? Gratitude, I've learned, is a practice. And I always felt like I was a grateful person. And I went, I would always go out of my way, write thank you notes and express appreciation. But what I wasn't thankful for was just the moment presence, what I had, however little or however much it seemed at the time, it was expressing appreciation for that. And I I realized that when I made time to express my gratitude, then all of a sudden I felt this really fundamental change in my, um, in my soul. And I know that sounds extra woo-woo, but I'm an early riser. I just wake up naturally without an alarm at 4.30 every morning. That's when I find that I can have me time. So I get up, I do not turn on technology. I really want to start my day slowly. So I'll take a hot bath. I'll pray, read, meditate, and just for like the first 25 minutes of my day. And I once heard that Einstein woke up every morning and started his day by saying thank you a hundred times. Now, I'm no Einstein and I'm not at a hundred, but I definitely just practice an actual physical manifestation of gratitude. Like I'm unabashedly um, unafraid to admit that I do raise my hands and I say thank you for this morning. Thank you for my health. I understand how precious life is and how... um, how um, amazing having friends and family and the ability to pursue what you love. And so just taking a few seconds, a few minutes out of your day to express gratitude has made a difference for me personally, but really made me a stronger entrepreneur. And do you feel like, you know, starting your day early allows you the space and the time and the freedom that you need to kind of start the day slow? You know, if Absolutely. you woke up at 830, you may have to just dive right into something um, that gives you the space. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I realized that, um, at least right now, I mean, I hope that my business gets so big that I have a team so that I can casually wake up at six 30 in the morning. But you know, I mean, I have a really, really small team. We're just, we're all juggling a lot of plates this time. And I think that, I think the easy inclination is to be like, I'm really stressed out. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then all of a sudden I have like negativity. I have a go to itness or just get it doneness. And I actually want to wake up and I want to be like, Hey, you might not be where you want to be, but you're much farther than where you were and you're excited about where you're headed. And I think that when you take the time to appreciate that, then it really changes your entire outlook and, and how you actually complete your work. And I think it's so inspiring because I think I've told you that before. I'm like, I, like, I, I, you get up at 4.30. Like, how is this even, you know, I love the idea of that. I need to, I need to, to start that and maybe even like starting 30 minutes earlier and then going Absolutely. 35 minutes earlier. Like and you know what, step. I would even, you know, give yourself even more grace, girl. Try 10 minutes, try 15 minutes. Cause you just, the thing is that that set of minutes becomes a gift for yourself. So 10 mm-hmm. minutes. And of course the comforters and the puffy pillows, they feel really great, but nothing feels better truly than waking waking up, stretching. I just love just kind of throwing my arms out, relaxing, washing my face, just moving slow. And then I just sit down and take deep breaths and the house is quiet. It's dark and makes myself some tea. I mean, it really sounds like I live like far too long in California, California born and raised. Um, I definitely sound like a (laughs) California girl, but it really, really, I I noticed, and this is not, this has not been a long practice. This is something that I've really implemented in the last year and a half. And I've just noticed that as I approach big projects, as I take on new things, of course, the fear is there. But when you give yourself time to just say, hey, this is bat trash crazy, but I'm going to step into it. I'm going to be really thankful that I have the luxury of pursuing something bat trash crazy. Oh, and I love that you brought up the fear because I'm sure that starting your morning like that kind of helps you follow your fear in a way that is productive. Um, but how has, you know, going from dropping out of law school and of course, all of the stuff that you and your family had to go through, through that experience with, with your mom, how did fear help you kind of navigate the direction and the path and the purpose of where you wanted to go? You know, I, um, I, 
explain to friends that fear has always been in my life as it is in others. And they have this ability to think that fear is like a childhood bully, like in your elementary class. And the fear of the bully is greater than wondering what if I stand up to the bully? Because once you stand up, once you don't let that person take your lunch money, or once you don't let that person stuff you into the locker, you realize that there is power in facing the fear. And I've just come to learn that the fear never goes away. The fear will always be there. But then I ask myself, what do I fear more? Pursuing something and failing publicly or not pursuing and then wondering what if. Mm. The fear of wondering what if far outweighs me just taking a wild risk and say, hey, if it doesn't work, I've learned something and I'm stronger and I know what to do better next time. Mm, that's so good and so true. Um, yeah, I love that. As creators, we often don't have a huge team to build our business, but that doesn't mean that we have to do it alone. Kajabi gives you all the tools that you need to build a profitable business. Kajabi is your all-in-one platform for digital products. Designed for creators to create, market, and sell their digital content, no matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. Now, there is a reason why Kajabi has been the go-to place for over a decade for so many creators. And you guys know how much I love data. You hear me talk about it all the time on this podcast, the importance of analytics. With Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates. With Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates, all built in. The best part? You don't need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com influencer. That's K-A-J. ABI.com slash influencer. Kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $6 billion. Now we know that running a small business is no feat, but our friends at JustWorks are here to make it a whole lot easier for us. JustWorks software automates HR for both employees and admins. As a reliable and flexible platform, JustWork earns back time so you can focus on running your business with big confidence. Signing up is a breeze. In just 30 minutes, you can set up payroll that streamlines paying your team, saves time, and mitigates errors. And it's desktop and mobile friendly. Plus, you can get ready to pay yourself and your amazing team in as little as two business days. That is the kind of speed and efficiency that we need as small businesses. You can even integrate time tracking and benefits that support running your small business with ease. Don't miss your chance to get one month free by visiting justworks.com influencer. Secure the limited time offer and start letting JustWorks run your payroll so you don't have to. Start your free month now at justworks.com influencer. One of the ways that I think that you show up in the world, and this is probably kind of pulling from that, from that fear of what you just said, of like, I'm going to show up anyway. Um, and, and, and one way that I really see you serve is through offering not only the ton of free education and free tips that you share on your website, but your amazing courses and programs that you offer. Can you share more of what someone could expect if they've never been to your website before, if they went to jasminestar.com today for the first time, what could they learn? And then what could they expect from your programs? You know, it's really, it's, I've understood like branding is such a big component to what I do and who I am. And I want to make sure that when people are going to jasminestar.com, that they truly understand that that is my website. If you want to get to know me, that's where you're going to go. But as far as educational components, I've decided to put under the Jasmine Star umbrella, have different divisions of what I provide. So for instance, I have an Instagram for business owners. Um, I also have social curator, which is um, an opportunity, like a monthly subscription for business owners who may not have 
have like the prettiest photos or they kind of get tongue tied with what they're going to say on social media. Every month at the beginning of the month, they will get a subscription of 15 beautifully captured curated photos, 15 caption templates that they can customize kind of like uh, Mad Libs. Like you add the details to make the caption your own as well as an action plan. So every month you are tethered to this is what you should be doing. This is how you can keep yourself accountable. So I really understand the importance of breaking down and segmenting what that really looks like. So jasminestar.com is my personal website, who I am and what I do. And individual courses like mysocialcurator.com stand as its own. Mm. And what you talked about with breaking down, because I've always noticed that your innate ability to break down whatever it is that you're talking about is truly something that allows you to serve someone like me and someone like a thousand of those other entrepreneurs out there so, so well. And one thing that I have noticed that you break down so brilliantly is social media. And you do it in a way that is super easy for someone like me to retain. So I can then grow my business, re-strategize, think of new ways to, you know, share my business and brand out into the world. And I'm sure there's thousands of others who would feel the same way. Can you share more about how you break down social media and its benefits for entrepreneurs? I mean, this is funny because there's every ounce of me, Julie, I'm going to be real. Every ounce of me wants to be like super philosophical and very heady and weighty. Like, we'll see. There's this quantum theory that I apply. I love and it. I'll actually, all actuality, girlfriend, it is straight ghetto fabness. <laughs> I, the things that I teach are the things that I must teach myself. I must learn before I implement, right? And then mm-hmm. when I implement and then I get a test and then I test and I retest. And the minute I feel like I have a pretty solid idea of truly what's happening on social media, then I feel very confident sharing it online. So when when you talk about breaking it down into digestible pieces, I'm just like, oh, this homegirl has to break it down in digestible pieces to understand it. So, you know, I really like experimenting on the back end with my own business so that when I talk about how does business owner use Facebook Live or how do you revive your Facebook page? Because we can all experience what it feels like when we see organic reach really dip on Facebook. And we notice that the algorithm has changed recently on Instagram. And our knee-jerk reaction is to think, oh, it's us. We must be doing something wrong. No, the rules of the game are being changed. And the irony is the rules aren't really openly stated, but the more that you test and the more you're on the cusp of really understanding what's going to have more of a payoff, then you'll be able to really catch that windfall. Your return on investment will be greater, which is, in my opinion, how do I get connections with people? How do I get people to trust me by sharing the information that I'm learning without having a vested interest? Regardless if people invest in my Instagram course or not, I'm still going to be sharing this information. And to get a lot more personalized and robust information, sure, you can invest in the program. But this right now is just for me to start conversations and say, hey, I'm here along with you trying to run a business and I learn, you're going to learn too. Mm. And I love that you, you started talking about the importance of kind of testing those different things out because I feel like, and again, going back to that fear, a lot of people get so afraid with stepping outside the box and they're like, you know, well, this seems to be working. And even though the algorithm's kind of working against me right now, I'm just going to kind of keep doing this. Um, but I, I, I want to kind of dive into th- that idea of testing a little bit more to kind of shake people out of that fear, so to speak. Um, obviously, you think it's very important to test different things out. What are specific ways that an entrepreneur can test out? Would it be a change in copy? Would it be a change in visuals? Would it be the time of day? Or is it kind of a culmination of all those things? Unfortunately, there isn't a hard answer. And it also not only it, um, it also depends on your audience. So one thing, let's start with the basics. Let's talk about three things that people can start testing today that are not going to be that's not going to be overwhelming. So number one, why not test the time of day in which your target demographic would be online? Now, I understand that the algorithm is ever present on Facebook. So you could go something at 8 a.m. in the morning and then somebody logging in at 5 p.m. can also see it. Where in the past, it used to be chronological. You posted it and people who are online at that time saw it. Well, it's not so much that anymore. However, if you think that your ideal clients ideal customers, your ideal followers are going to be on social media at a specific time. The algorithm measures engagement within a certain amount of time after posting. Now, we don't know what that number is. It could be 10 minutes. It could be 30 minutes. But however much like, comments, shares, uh, retweets, anything like that. So yes, Twitter is also on the algorithm now. But that type of activity that happens within a certain segment of time after you post will determine how much longevity, how much natural reach. So um, Facebook pages, you to get somewhere in the ballpark of 8 to 10% organic reach, just given 
it was just like, hey, that's how Facebook created the game, 8 to 10. And then with the algorithm that occurred back in February, they decided to truncate that organic reach. They said, you got to pay to play. So now they've limited everybody to about 2% organic reach unless you want to pay for more. However, if you share content on Facebook, on Instagram, that a lot of people like and commenting within that designated time, Facebook thinks, hey, this is really great content. And even though this person didn't pay for it, it shows that more people want to see it. So we're going to give a little bit more Facebook juice. We're going to give a little bit more Instagram juice behind it. So that leaves us to, to really think about how important it is to create content that people are going to engage with, like, comment, you know, the algorithm on Facebook is weighted differently. Like to like a photo is one thing, but anytime that you can give any other weighted element, like a heart, like the love or like the funny, that's weighted more. Anytime you have a comment more than four words on Instagram, that's weighted more. Comments that are strictly emojis on Instagram aren't weighted as much. So we have all these mitigating factors determining who's going to see your post and why they're going to see it. But first things first, let's just test the time in which you post it. Secondly, I would also test a photo versus a video. Now, there's two types of videos. There are videos that you can make them highly produced, right? So you hire a videographer, mm -hmm. or maybe you wear it on your iPhone and it's great, versus just a photo. Now, traditionally, videos on Facebook perform better. But if you have a great photo, it could outperform a video, but you're not going to know until you test. And lastly, I would definitely uh, test copy. So, um, copy is basically your caption, right? So on Instagram, you don't have a direct number, like on Twitter, it's 140 characters, but Instagram fluctuates anywhere from 85 to 115 characters. So oftentimes people are like, I don't know why people aren't talking back to me. I ask a question, but if your question comes after that 115 mark, there's a good chance that people don't see it unless they click read more. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people aren't really clicking the read more unless it's a compelling piece of copy. So my advice would be to test three short comments and then one longer comment and see how your audience responds to that. Yeah, because I think it's too, would you say that there's going to be some brands out there that their audience wants that conversation, that long form copy. And then there's some that kind of want more of that bite sized bit of information. A hundred percent. I'm so envious of those Instagram. I, should, I shouldn't admit that, but those, those Instagrammers who can write these beautiful long posts and people are just outpouring of love and support. And, you know, I just can't do that with my audience. I know my audience thrust and throttles. Like occasionally I can post a long post and I really try when I do a long post, it's usually in two forms. It's um, educational, like a long piece of educational content, teaching something about Instagram on Instagram or something like really personal or like a business push. So everything other than that, like the short ones are really to build trust and kind of create a short term conversation to make them invested or interested that when they click on that, read more, they're going to know Jasmine's going to deliver the time that I spend to read this, I'm going to learn something or I'm going to get something. And I think that that takes time to build that level of trust. Mm, I just love it when you preach Jasmine. I just take you with me all day long and have you preach. Um, and one thing that I love that you preach on is attracting and repelling. And I really would love it if you would dive into this with me right now. Um, please share with the listeners today what you mean by attracting and repelling. Why is it important? And if I am someone listening today who thinks that I'm on this social space to appeal to everyone, how can I get out of that toxic train of thought? Okay, so I'm going to answer this question in two ways. We're going to break down this idea of attracting and repelling. And I firmly believe that entrepreneurs, business owners, bloggers, fa fashion stylists, makeup artists, your goal is to do one of two things on social media, and that is to attract the right type of people, the people who become followers, who then become customers. They like you and they know you and they trust you. They see the world the way that you do. They speak your language. They get your jokes. And you're the, on the flip side, you are to repel anybody who just doesn't get you. They don't like your hair. They think your teeth are crooked. They think you're too fat. They don't think that you're stylish. They don't get your humor. Those people were never meant to be part of your tribe. For us to go in, and a lot of times I see these social media um, specialist and guru saying, Oh, get a thousand followers in a week. And I'm like, why would you want a 
thousand new followers. Of course, that sounds nice, but I want you to guarantee a thousand of the right kind of followers. These are the people who are going to like our content, leave comments, share with their friends, tag other people. That is what's going to make our business stand out. That's how we're going to get seen in the algorithm. You, your business will go farther with 2000 Instagram followers than 200,000 Instagram followers who are not engaging in what you are participating with. And the only way that you can really get people to engage with you and trust you and talk back to you is if they're part of your tribe, if you've attracted them in such a way. So I only like, I want you to release the shackles of, I must be everything to everyone. No, you don't. You know, it's so funny. <laughs> you can, you can walk into a cocktail party. You can walk into a business meeting. You can walk into church. You can walk into a co- like, any social situation and you don't expect everybody in the dang room to like you and talk to you and pat you on the back and say, your mama did a great job raising you. Of course not. You don't get in your car and be like, not everybody liked me. (laughs) Right. But on social media, all of a sudden we have this misnomer that we should be liked. Like, why don't you like me? I have come to believe if you do not like me, good. Please go and spread your negative energy somewhere else. I will go farther with my tiny tribe and we'll do great things and we will change the world and we will pursue our passions and we will build our dream careers. Why? Because we all just get each other. And there's something freeing in that. Totally. And there is. There's there's power in, in those kind, the numbers of like attracts, attracts like. Yeah, and having and those I mean, people that are going to drink your Kool-Aid every single time you mix a new batch and you put it out there. And you know, one, one thing that you said was to understand that you're not going to be for everybody. And I will say the reason I feel so ardently, the reason I feel so passionately about this is because I am a chief transgressor. When I started my business, I had my camera and I suffered from what I call the photographer superhero complex complex where there are people to be photographed. I will be there. Right. I mean, I just needed a cape. Like anybody, (laughs) do you breathe? Can you fog up a mirror? I want to shoot you. And then I realized that because I tried appealing to everybody, I stuck out to nobody. Mm -hmm. The minute I said, this is the type of people I want to work with. These are the people I want to attract. This is who I'm targeting. And I niched it down and niched it down and niched it down. And then I realized these are the people who will make my life happy and my career fulfilled. And this small group of people will actually take me to where I want to go. And I learned that 11 years ago and it still stays true today. And what happened 11 years ago that made, was there like a tipping point in your career or was that back when you kind of left law school and made the shift? Um, that was at the beginning, very early. I made this decision, which seems totally crazy, but I made this decision to really focus my efforts on attracting a very specific person. Now, when you're just starting a business, there's this temptation to serve everybody and say, yes, yes, I can do that. And in the back of your mind, you're saying that makes me, that makes me really sad, or that makes me miserable, or that's going to take so much time or no, that's not even what I want to do. But you say, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then I got to a point where I said, I'm working with people who don't appreciate what I do, who don't get my vision. And worst of all, they don't trust me. And they don't trust me because they're giving me a shot list or they don't trust me because they're sending me 15,000 emails, making sure that I know what to shoot when I say, Mm. I know what to shoot. And that's when I realized it's not their fault that they were attracted to me. I didn't do anything to cut, to cut, to, to cut the pattern in which I was going to sew this custom made avant-garde dress. And I said, yes, guess what? Not everybody's going to like this dress, but I'm going to wear it. And if you like it, then we can work together. And I know that's a really bad analogy, but it's like, sometimes you wear the dress that you made and you own it and other people get it great. And if they don't move along to all, they were never meant to be your clients. 200%. And that's why whenever I see a newsletter, from you show up in my inbox or a new Facebook live or a new Instagram post, you know, that, that uh, there's a term that always pops into my brain whenever I think about Jasmine star, the person or Jasmine star, the brand. And that idea is resisting conformity. And I feel like that you are someone who has resisted that idea of conformity and really used it to reveal yourself to the world in the most authentic way. And you make such a strong business impact because of that. And I think that one of the big, you know, the feedback that I get from listeners, from students, from, you know, people in my tribe is that how, you know, I always talk about, you know, authenticity is something that always comes up on, on this podcast. There's so many amazing guests that come on and they talk about being authentic, staying authentic, being true to your brand. And so many people come to me and say, okay, that sounds great. It sounds great to attract and repel. It sounds great to be authentic, but then how, how do I do that? 
how, how, how do I be authentic? And so, you know, I'm like, well, I mean, that's, let's, let's shift it on back a little bit. So would you have, do you have any advice to share with listeners today who may get the idea of not conforming, of attracting and repelling, of, of, finding who they are at their, at their core brilliance, but they're having a hard time nailing down the how. Um, let's break this down in two ways. Here I go, Julie, just breaking stuff down again. (laughs) It's just the way my brain works. It's really, you know, it's crazy because I have this really like odd balance of like a left and right brain, like very lawyerly, like what are the rules? And once I know the rules, let's break them. That's the creative part of me. So I think that in order for you to know, um, to attract and repel, well, first you got to know who do you want to work with? I, um, created this document, um, how to create, I mean, it was actually a Facebook live that actually did really, very well. People responded it to, responded to it so well. And that was how to create your ideal client profile, how to create your ideal follower profile. They're one in the same because ultimately your followers, if you're running a business will ultimately become customers. So I call it my ideal client profile. Who do I want ultimately to buy from me? When you can create this identity of a person, when you know her name, when you know if she went to school, did she go to college? Did she go to beyond? Is she first generation immigrant or does she come from a long line of, you know, Mayfair, Mayflower families? Um, does she have kids? What kind of car does she drive? Does she live in a city, a suburb, a small town, Midwest? Is she married? Where did she go on vacation? What's the last YouTube video she searched for? Who does she follow on Instagram? What pages on Facebook does she like? I'm talking about getting into the minutia of understanding the psychology of who this person is. And this This person goes from morphing on a piece of paper and becoming a real person in your life so that every piece of content that you put out, it's measured against that rubric. So I know my person. Her name is Elle. She's 31 years old. She lives in Manhattan Beach with her husband, who's a lawyer. She has two boys. She drives a white Range Rover. She vacationed in Santorini, Greece, not at a hotel, but her friend had a home on VRBO that they were able to rent out. They sailed to the islands. She's trying to start her new business making handmade soap, which is something she started back in college. But she was raised on a goat farm with her father. And many summers she spent there collecting flower, wild flowers. And later on in her loft in Los Angeles, she makes these beautiful soaps, goat milk soap. And she impresses these flowers she collected as a child onto the top of them. And now she sells them at Manhattan Beach Farmer's Market. And there, stumbling upon her, was an anthropology sales a buyer and said, we would love to feature these in our store. Now Elle is at a place and a juncture in her business where she needs to know, how do I take my, my business next level? How do I make it seen and noticed on social media so that when I fulfill this order in anthropology, my branding, my online, my social is all in line. I know that person. So every time I post something on social, I think, does this resonate with Elle? Does Elle get this? Then I am attracting Elle and I am repelling anybody who does not want to see pictures of my dog who does not want to know the coffee that I drink or where I live. I know Elle. She's real to me. And I measure that in regards to attracting her. Now, when it comes back to this notion of authenticity, I think it's really hard. It's something that I struggle with because you and I are having this conversation. It's great. But for some reason, every time I'm about to press like Instagram stories, Instagram live, Facebook live, I, I, there's like this, oh, I got to be professional or, oh, I got to wear this. I have to use my social media voice, which is so annoying. So every time I do that, I take a step back and like, be yourself. You be you. You're going to be talking to Elle and other people will not like what you're saying. And other people are going to skip past your story. And other people may not find your tips valuable, but you're doing it for L. And then all of a sudden, authenticity comes from like a real place because L is real. And I know that I'm helping people along the way. And I love that you that you brought up Elle and that you talk about her and talking to her. Because what I've also found too, is that when I'm talking to my version of Elle, it makes it a lot easier It's like, you know, the fear kind of dissipates. It's not like I'm trying, I'm up there on the stage alone trying to talk to this entire crowd. I'm talking to one person and talking to one person is a lot easier than trying to talk to 200,000 people or whatever that is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And now I like want to go buy her soap. (laughs) It's so funny because, you know, I have this um, branding and social media course called the path of profitability. And I speak so heavily about L throughout the content that a 
couple of my students on different times have actually sent me goat's milk soap with flowers. And they were like, hey, look, Elle exists. You know, so um, it really does. It's really a trip because when you when you believe it, when you manifest it, it actually exists. And I know that Elle has purchased my courses in different variations. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, I am Elle. You know, I don't make soap and I don't, I'm not married, but I'm Elle, the way that you speak to her. And I think that that has made such a profound um, change in my business. Do you think that, that, that really breaking that part down about about your audience and really knowing who it who it is that you want to show up for and serve every day that's really going to allow for your brilliance to shine and really knowing exactly who that person is was kind of the tipping point in terms of your business growth your social media growth was there a moment or one thing or was it kind of a culmination of things like that 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 you really noticed like okay I'm getting it. People are getting me. We're starting to to create this movement here. Um, that that was and is and shall remain the foundation. I have been really lucky to consult with small businesses, large businesses, and corporations. And this idea of an ideal client profile is where we start every single time. And I'm like, you guys, if we don't know who we're talking to, every branding effort, every social media effort, every Facebook Live newsletter will fall flat because we don't know who we're speaking to. Mm-hmm. And the minute you know that it really, it really changes everything. And I think that that was the major piece. And then other things that have come along the way have really been asking myself to understand what people are doing, understand the nature of the industry in which I'm entering and then saying, run the other way. Mm. Love that. And having having the courage to do so, it's scary. And you're like, I don't know if this is what I should be doing. But guess what? You're not going to know until you start doing. Absolutely. Since I am all about habits and routines and goals for the new year, let's talk about healthy eating. Now, obviously, this is a hot topic for so many of us right now because I know that so many people are looking to revamp their eating habits in the new year. But I think so often we fall short because of a few things. One, it can be really time-consuming to cook fresh meals every day, especially as a parent. Two, it can be time-consuming and difficult to prepare and go to the grocery store and just have all the ingredients that we need for the week. And so if you're anything like me, what tends to happen is that we fall back on old habits of just ordering out all of our meals or snacking around meals or just grabbing whatever we find in the pantry and not really giving our bodies the nourishment that we need. But a really simple solution that I have found for the new year is HelloFresh. Whether you want to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Imagine having farm fresh ingredients and chef crafted recipes delivered to your doorstep, no grocery store chaos. Also, what I love about HelloFresh is that everything comes pre-portioned right to your doorstep, which is a huge perk for me because of the time savings, and there's less hassle and less wasted food. Another perk with me because with two small kids in the house, it is so easy for us to waste food. And that drives me crazy. And even if there are nights where you barely have any time to cook, what you can do is check out their lineup of 15 minute recipes, which are amazing. These are great for those nights when you're just trying to catch up on all the duties and you just need a healthy but quick option. I made a really good chicken dish the other night, and they also have some good vegan options. My husband is also gluten free, so they have something for everybody, regardless of what your dietary preferences may be. And this is huge for for so many of us as I know. Now here is the big news. HelloFresh understands the breakfast game and how important getting protein first thing in the morning is. So HelloFresh is giving all subscribers free breakfast for life. Yes, you heard it right. A free breakfast item with every single delivery. I mean, who wouldn't want to wake up to that? We all know the importance of breakfast and getting that protein fix in the morning. And the fact that I just don't have to think about it just made HelloFresh a no-brainer for me this year. So that means you will enjoy a totally free breakfast item with every single HelloFresh delivery. So go to HelloFresh.com slash influencer free and use code influencer free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while the subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash influencer free with the code influencer free. Check it out and find out why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Let's talk about your business for a moment. We have been, and we will continue. Um, I want to talk about kind of the the, fa- the layout of your business, if if that's the right the right term. Um, 
what does it look like? What does a day in business look like for Jasmine? How many people are on the team and how do you kind of get the wheels moving? Oh my gosh, Julie, I'm a type A personality. It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. But I will say that, you know, this year for me has looked really different. I um, had a very successful, I have a very successful photography business. And a few months ago, I decided to take a sabbatical from focusing on taking new photographic clients. And I gave myself 12 months to really take a step back from consulting business owners, corporations, take a step back from photography. And I had just a a year of recalibration. And that's like, what do you want to do? What were you created on this earth to do? And I felt like I wanted a year to experiment what it felt like creating content on scale. Not everybody can afford my hourly rates. Not everybody can say, we want to hire you for two months. It's just not feasible. And furthermore, it's not feasible on my time. I only have a certain amount of people that I could work with. And so I decided to take a step back and say, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to reach people. I want to reach people with a very specific message and I want to empower them to build their business, follow their dreams and build a life they love. And in order for me to do that, then I started reverse engineering. I started, I started working backward. If I wanted to do that, well, the first thing that I did was, you know, um, luckily I have been able, well, with a lot of hard work, it's not luck, with a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of conversation. I've built uh, my Instagram audience to about 205,000 people. Okay. So there's, well, thank you. Thank you. And I say thank you only because it has come with a lot of work and a lot of intention and people were asking, how did you, how did you build that? And so my, Next move was like, okay, well, let me create an affordable Instagram course for entrepreneurs. And then people said, but Jasmine, how do you build a personal brand? Which was a major component. Like if you want to be successful on Instagram, it's really important to build your personal brand. And so we created an online course for how to build a personal brand and then market it on social media. And then the next vision, which is what we um, are launched in July 18th would be my social curator. And this is just an opportunity for me again to help people because a lot of times people don't show up on social media because they say three things. I don't have enough time. I don't have anything interesting to say, and I don't have a pretty image or I don't have an image. You know, I'm not a great photographer. And this was what I heard again and again. And so I started seeing these as a series of hurdles that people were using as excuses to not grow their business on social media. So there's a difference between being on social media and using social media, because I'm sure a lot of listeners are on social media. They have an account or on their vacation, they post 16 photos in one day, and then they go silent over three weeks, right? Like whenever they're doing something, they're really active. Whenever they're selling something, they're really active. And then it's like, oh, here and there. But the beauty, the people who grow the fastest, the most, and have an ardent tribe of supporters are those who show up consistently. consistently. And that's where I want social, social curator to really fill in those gaps. It's really, you don't have anything interesting to say, we're going to help you get there. You don't have a photo. I give you photo ideas that you take with your iPhone or a camera, or Hey, you can use one of the photos that I provided for you. So we're just about this year. I'm like, I want to create solutions for business owners, biggest struggles. And if I can get my message out there and if I can connect with people, then I will have viewed this year as a big success. Even though everybody, when I told them I'm taking a break from consulting, I'm taking a from and taking photography clients, everybody was like, girlfriend, you lost your dang mind. And I was like, I know, but I feel like I'm on fire. Like if I'm going to go down, go down a ball of freaking flames, you know? (laughs) And I love, I love that you talked about, about kind of the, you're really creating a program that allows for freedom because I feel like there's so many times that I hear from listeners and, and people in my tribe that say that, well, social media, it's starting to feel like a chore. You know, I, I feel like I'm being forced to post something. I'm posting something just to just to post something. And um, I love the idea of this curator. I think that a lot of people are going to resonate to it. And it's going to be a f- just breath of fresh air for people who are looking for a little bit of support in that. Um, and with that freedom, I want to know from you how important freedom is in your work and creativity and how vital is it to the growth of entrepreneurs, do you think? You know, it's, it's crazy because whenever I, I, I think of freedom for me, and I know that grammatically and intellectually, it doesn't make sense, but I think the next word automatically comes to my mind choice. I just want freedom of choice. I want the freedom to say, this is when I want to work. This is when I, this is how I will work. I once heard a quote, um, 
I think it was like on Shark Tank or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, where the, one of the sharks, Lori, said that entrepreneurs would prefer to work 80 hours for themselves than 40 hours for somebody else. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, that's a little bit true because of the freedom that we have to say, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to work. This is how I want to dress. This is when I, I don't want to be told the how and the what. I want the freedom of choice to create how I want. And to me, I, have a, I attract people who believe and want the same thing. And I say, if that's what you want, because I want it, then together we're going to move forward. And everything that I learned, you're going to learn right alongside me. Mm, I love that. Um, I want to shift over to um, influencer marketing a little bit and the the value of influencer marketing. Um, I've seen you uh, talk about companies and how you feel that they're learning more about the value of influencer marketing, and we're going to really kind of start to see that in their investments. So how can an influencer or an entrepreneur that works with brands best meet these brands in the middle for the most optimal um, opportunity of success? Well, you know, I think in the beginning, because here's the thing, the people, the, the people who have consistency usually are represented by an agency. So the agency does like that middle, that middleman work and will feed the influencers and set their rates. And that's, that's great. And I think that's wonderful, but people right now want to know, well, how do I get there? How do I establish myself to get to that point? And it's the wild west right now in influencer marketing, Mm -hmm. because there are people with the exact same following. And one person will say, well, um, if you pay me $150 and another person will say, if you pay me $500, like people are setting their own terms. And I think it's going to be really, really important to understand that as influencers are building their personal brand, that the more their tribe grows, the more they have to protect it. And sure, a pop in the pan for like a couple hundred dollars to do a sponsored post is great, but what do you, what's the long game for you? How are you really going to create relationships so that when a company sees what you do, they give you the creative freedom, and then they also compensate you fairly for you advertising to your audience of 2,000 or 4,000 or 10,000 people. That is so much value. And if you stand by your value and you say, this is how much interaction I'm getting, when you send them like a press kit with statistics and your engagement rates, and really you put forward a professional foot, that you can command rates at something that you think is worth your time and your energy to actually promote to your audience. I love that. I love that you said, you know, that you kind of have the power to really, you know, know your worth and state your rate. And I know that that's something that you've talked about with, you know, challenges that you see influencers facing, um, as do I. I think, I think a lot of people are, like you said, this is kind of the wild west and really understanding their worth. Um, so I would love to talk kind of about that a little bit with you. And I've talked about it on my own website. I call it blogger devaluation when they really devalue their worth as a blogger or as an influencer. And you mentioned something to me about diversifying a portfolio. And that if if influencers learn how to diversify their portfolio, they can, you know, find these rates that go far above whatever they ever desired making. So I would love to know what you mean by diverse portfolio and how can one try their best to diversify? Well, there was a time um, when blogging was like the thing, you know, social media, this is pre Twitter, pre Facebook. Oh my God, I'm dating myself. Seriously. I'm like, have these like little small spindle glasses and I'm drinking tea, but I think it's going to be really important to understand that nothing is constant. The only thing constant is change. And so the minute that we understand the power of diversity, I mean, there were people who had these massive audiences on Vine and then Vine tanked, and massive audiences on Periscope and then Periscope tanked. What we understand is this changing demographic. So the more diverse that your social portfolio is, and social is anything you have online, which is your blog, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have influence, if that's on YouTube, the idea is to understand that should any one of those portfolio pieces tank, go under, not be the hot thing anymore. That's okay. And the idea is to have uh, so much influence across your por- different different arms of your portfolio that always point back to your moneymaker. And if your moneymaker is getting sponsored posts on Instagram, if your moneymaker is having a sponsored blog post, if your moneymaker is really starting having a Facebook Live that's sponsored by somebody else, whatever that thing is, you want to use all those other channels to be very strategic in pointing back to the moneymaker. As you invest your time in other channels and diversifying your portfolio, it's 
all with the intention of saying, I know what I'm going to do with this traffic. I'm going to concertedly and strategically point it back to the thing where I know that I can optimize and monetize my efforts. And I think that when it comes to you know, once you start to diversify, one of the things that I know that you've talked about that I love is about you diversify, you diversify the portfolios, which is great. And now you need to respect the platform. And when I first heard you talk about this idea of, you know, respecting the platform, it was truly a mind blown moment for me because it was the way that you explained it. It really made so much sense yet. I just, my brain had never thought of it that way. And I would love if you could please share what that means by respecting the platform and how can we best do that? Okay. So we have to look at all social platforms and conversations happening autonomous, like on their own away from other things. So for instance, what I see a lot of influencers do is they'll just um, post on Instagram and automatically push it out to Twitter or automatically push it out to Facebook. And what happens is that Every um, at mention and hashtag that's used in the caption of that post then becomes seen on a different platform, not built for those specific hashtags, not built for those specific at mentions. So what it feels like is that the viewers, let's say on Facebook, are viewing a post that's been pushed from Instagram. And what it feels like from an audience perspective on a social platform is that they're eavesdropping on another conversation because the conversation they know is happening on Instagram and you're trying to have this like, you know, um, step cousin conversation over on Facebook <laughs> that no one's going to really be engaging with because they don't think that you're really there. They think the party's on Instagram, but where are they? They're at a place where you don't consider the party is. So respecting the platform really is making sure that um, your at mentions, you know, you're tagging your post on Facebook according to who you're working with and who you're collaborating with, who you're dining with, what you're wearing, that all of those become active links on Facebook, which in turn really does make it more beneficial because it makes the conversation present and willing for that audience. So for instance, if you do or are wearing something from Nordstrom and you tag Nordstrom, there is a possibility that it could be seen on Nordstrom's page or get on the radar of Nordstrom as opposed to having a dead at mention on Facebook simply being pushed from Instagram. This also goes to um, Twitter. People often push their Instagram posts to Twitter, but studies have shown that only 17% of people on Twitter are actually clicking on the Instagram link to open it. If you want a view through rate on Twitter, you should be actually uploading the JPEG. All that basically is, is respecting the platform. If you want to be seen, make it look like the conversation is happening on that specific platform. Yeah. It's kind of like, how do you expect the platform to show up for you if you're not showing up for the platform? Exactly. How much effort you put into a platform is what you're going to get back. Yeah. It's, it it makes so much sense. Um, I want to talk analytics and ads for a little bit. I know that you are a huge proponent of leveraging the Facebook, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram analytics to kind of understand more about who your you know your audience as well as where they're you know where they're shopping what they're doing kind of what they're feeling in that moment as it kind of helps you strategize a little bit in your business. Um, I do know a lot of people that even though they have access to their Facebook analytics and Instagram analytics have never once looked at it, and I think that it's just because they don't realize the, the true value in it. So, do you have any tips with that you could share um, with someone who may be dipping their feet into analytics for the first time, or maybe they're dipping into their feet in in their feet with, you know, doing ads for the first time and how they can best navigate this. Well, basically what you're asking me is to explain how to drink, how to sip from a fire hydrant. (laughs) Um, I will say though, that I understand how intimidating and how daunting analytics looks. I get it, but I can't tell you, I geek out when I'm able to see where is the vast majority of my audience, like where are a lot of people participating? And I do this so that if I decide to go to um, host a speaking event somewhere, I'm going to go to the cities where I have the highest level of engagement in interaction because I know that if those people are interacting in Chicago, for some reason, the Midwest Chicago, they represent Texas. Good Lord. Texas represents so big time. It's the big hair. They're closer to God. We 
have yeah. great conversations. And so for me, they, it was great because I was able to look at analytics and understand there is an enclave of people there. So then it becomes strategic as to how do you plan physical events or how do you plan targeted ads? How do you then understand what is your demographic? Do you have, how much of your percentage is female? Um, what ages are they between? Because when you know how old they are, where they live, um, their gender, you can then create content and create social illusions to create conversations. So for instance, if you have a large um, demographic of 47 to 57 year old females, you making a comment or a reference to the MTV Music Awards probably is not going to be all that pertinent. Mm -hmm. So when you know where your audience is and who they are, you can make subtle social references that kind of like spur conversations. And when conversations become real, it turns into engagement and relevancy. So understanding analytics is going to be really big. Now, basics when it comes to ads is, I hate to break it to you, but you're not going to have like one ad that suits every audience. So Mm -mm. what you want to do is you want to break down your ads according to who you're targeting, right? According to this particular demographic, if you're going to be targeting a page, you're going to be targeting interest. So the more you can target your ads, the more effective they will be. And when it comes to the analytics, because I think that you really do have to understand that before you can even like look at the ads, um, would you say that cities, gender, and age would be the ones that entrepreneurs should be paying, if not the most, but the kind of the first attention to? Is that for someone new to the analytics world, is that where you would say to maybe focus on first? Um, yes, but then there's also nuances. Like it also depends on what you're selling. Like, are you a wedding, you know, are you a wedding stylist? Then you should target people who are just recently engaged. Mm-hmm. Are you a wedding stylist who charges five to $8,000 for your services? Well, then you should probably be targeting people who just got engaged, who cumulatively make over 150 or $200,000. So you can actually do that type of stuff. You can target based on the pages that they like. So if you think that somebody is hiring a wedding stylist at Bergdorf Goodman or at Saks Fifth Avenue, well, then you could target, you know, females who just got engaged, who make over 200,000 living in the Los Angeles area who like Saks Fifth Avenue. Like that, that's a lot of targeting there. And I think that you can put your ads in front of people who are highly suited to buy what you're selling. Totally. Thank you for that. So I want to do something kind of different um, before we wrap this up a little quick fire round. <laughs> if you are game, I am. Okay. So um, best piece of advice you've ever received. Jump and the net will appear. Worst piece of advice. Follow, just do what everybody else is doing. <laughs> Who would you trade places with for a day? Oprah. Me too. Uh, gu- I do. I would cry if I met her. Um, guilty pleasure. Oh, gluten-free donuts. Mm. They're Some, amazing. Oh, donuts, yes. Something you wish you were better at. Singing. What fellow entrepreneur really hits the mark for you? Amy Porterfield. Mm, love her. Something you wish we'd all pay more attention to? Gratitude. Something on your bucket list? Um, I really want to go and stay in this hotel that's located in a rock. And it's in Utah. And the hotel is literally in a rock. But this is like a total bucket list because this hotel is, I looked it up. It's like, I don't know, five or $6,000 a night. So yeah, definitely bucket list. That sounds amazing. It's amazing. Is there something that you long believed to be true and then found out wasn't? Um, that being popular is more important than being profitable. Something we don't know about you. I can burp the alphabet. <laughs> I'm embarrassed of that one. I can't believe I just said it. I love it. And then something that you can't do that you wish you could. Tie my shoes the way that normal people tie them. I still do the two bunny ears. It's so odd, Julie. I don't know why. It's ridiculous. But I just never learned the loop around thing. Um, And then a question that I always ask every guest that comes on um, the Influencer Podcast, I wrap it up. What does influence mean to you? Talking to your tribe in a very specific way that resonates with them, inspires them, and empowers them to be the best version of themselves. 
Love it. So, Miss Jasmine Starr, please share where everyone can find you online as well as this my social curator that's coming out July 19th. Where can we find that? Where can we expect it? Give us all the goods. Ooh, okay. So you can find me on all social platforms at Jasmine Star. I'd love to converse. Do try my best to respond to every comment in DM. And um, you can find my social curator at mysocialcurator.com. We're actually going to be having um, on the 18th, 19th, and 20th, we're going to be having free one-hour classes where I'm actually going to be teaching people how to create a month of social media content in just one day. So no pitch, no nothing. It's like, hey, let me show you what I do. And if you want a little help along the way, we'll be chatting about my social curator as well. Yay. Well, if you are listening today and you want to learn more about Jasmine, her business, her amazing programs, as well as where you can catch Jasmine speak at upcoming events or conferences, I would love for you to check out the show notes of this episode where I lay out some of the most important takeaways that Jasmine shared with us today. And you can find those show notes as always at www.theinfluencerpodcast.com. Jasmine, thank you so much again. I appreciate everything that you do and the fact that you always show up and reveal yourself and share so much good wealth and knowledge to us all. So thank you again. And I'm so excited for my social curator and what's to come. Thank you, Julie. Are you ready to create your own industry leading influence for show notes, downloads, and action-based tips head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode guest and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.